You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Psyched by MG. This is Mary Grace Randazzo Ratliff, or MG for short. I've been a psychotherapist in private practice for 32 years now. Guess what, everyone? We all have issues. So it's time to lighten up and move forward. Let's stop letting our crap control us and take control of our crap. Good evening, everyone. Hello, Barbara Mangami. How are you? Hi, MG. I am good. How are you? Hi, everyone. How's everyone doing? Happy Friday. Happy freaking Friday. Oh, my God. What a week. What a week. Like, seriously? Wow. And I've got to stop. And I tell my clients this. Please don't spend a lot of time watching the news. (laughs) Because it feeds your anxiety. But there's been so much. And every time you turn around. And, you know, I I have to make this comment. Uh, Oh, wait. Wait. I know. Matt, I know. First of all where you can find us. Because <laughs> you know, once I get going, I'm going to forget it. You know, you're a quick, you're a quick study. I'm See? just going to say. See? Right. So everyone who's listening, you can find us at Podcast Detroit. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, of course, Facebook, all at Psyched by MG, LinkedIn, YouTube, um, and, uh, please, when you do find us there, uh, click like, uh, subscribe. We, we really need you to do that. Um, and let us know your thoughts. Uh, we've t- turned many a show into, you know, a, a viewer's concern or something that they want us to explore. Um, and then you can find Barbara. Where Barbara? Well, African you can auntie. find me on uh, as Generic African Auntie on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and others. Yes, <laughs> yes. it's others. just everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And you know what the other thing? Apparently this week was um, teachers um, around the world. It was their acknowledgement week. So we want to acknowledge... And give a a, a special shout out to any teachers that are listening. You are so valued and you are so respected, especially during these very difficult times. And you guys are frontline workers and we know that. And um, we just want you to know here at Psyched by NG um, that we appreciate you. And we we keep you in our thoughts um, and in our prayers constantly and uh i i personally you know hope the kids stay you know online yeah and yeah shout out to all the teachers i think um you humans are really amazing thank you for everything you do for our children thank you for putting your lives on the line for our children um truly we do not take it for granted we don't we don't Um, and um, just as much as we think about our children's safety, we worry and think about you also. Yep. So love and light yes. to everybody, every teacher out there. Yeah, send them good energy, everyone, because truly they're, they're, the shifts that are happening constantly for them and having to change um, the way they're doing everything literally comes in every day. Um, they have their own fears. Um 
And so please, please, please send them all kinds of, of good energy and good light. And, um, and, uh, we, we appreciate you. Hello, Matthew Burita. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, Hi, everyone. Hi, Barbara. Hi, listeners. Matthew's coming in because he had a session, you know, right up until the time. And, uh, Matthew, we were just giving a shout out to teachers because this oh, week yeah. was, um, I think it was National Teachers Week or Day. And I just wanted to acknowledge them, uh, and give a special shout out. And how are you doing, Mr. Burita? You know, well, as a teacher, so as an educator, I appreciate the shout out. And, you know, it is difficult um, right now, to say the least. And it's, you know, just got, you know, getting done. I think this the theme that I'm noticing is just we're struggling with adjustments. Um, And so I appreciate the shout out um, for all the listeners. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, But yeah, so I'm doing well, um, adjusting and you know, walking the walk as we talk the talk as yes, we right. say. Yes. So yes. Um, practicing being vulnerable, practicing being courageous to continue to be vulnerable. Yep. Um, you know, and I think that's, you know, allowing ourselves to recognize that our expectations that we have on ourselves, sometimes, you know, we have to, we just have to give ourselves some credit where credit is due. We're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. I think we're doing amazing and we have to give ourselves grace where we, where, where we're not doing well, you know, mm, yes. this is that time where I think self-care is just of utmost importance because mm. we are living in unusual times and we're dealing with unusual things. Just think about what has gone on in the media, especially since mm. last week when we convened, right? It's like, mm. I, it yeah. was only a week ago. Like so much has happened. <laughs> like, and it was a week ago. Right. I mean, oh my God. Oh my God. Like enough. <laughs> I yeah. feel like enough. Get this election over. Get, let there be a change. Uh, my own personal opinion. And and I, I'm just so tired of it. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. it's, it's, I'm it's, getting it's battle perfect. fatigue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's total fatigue. I think we, I think we're all just kind of worn out. Yeah. Uh, and maybe yeah. that's it, it, also this transition, you know, um, I don't know about you guys, but from a sort of spiritual perspective as well, just the way astrology is aligning and what's going on, this transition is particularly hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving from fall into winter <sighs> and or rather moving out of not fall to winter, moving out of summer into fall is mm-hmm. particularly rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So add yeah. that, add to that everything else that's going on and the energy that's out there, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, so <laughs> speaking of the energy that is out there, <laughs> uh, which is a great lead in to I watched and and I'm gonna fill Barbara in on um American Murder the Family Next Door. Matthew, did yes. you get a chance to watch that? I did. Holy shit. I didn't. Holy freaking shit. Oh, oh my god. Come on. Okay, so here it is, Barbara. Here it is. And 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 it was such a great representation of 
covert form of narcissism. And I want the viewers to understand there is overt, which is obvious. It's obnoxious. They only talk about themselves. Um, they, They wear you out very quickly. They're entitled. They don't take ownership for whatever they do. But covert is a bit different. Now, they are just as self-centered. They cannot bond. They um, don't take responsibility for their for their their parts and problems. Uh, They blame everybody else. They turn your needs and wants into a burden, which we've talked about so many times on the show. But the covert has an energy. They are extremely bright and they are highly, highly manipulative. Mm-hmm. And a person can chronically feel guilty around this kind of personality. They are softer spoken. Um, but the covert narcissist, you must watch behaviors, not their words. You must watch their behaviors, not their words. And in this documentary, and it's on Netflix. Oh, my God. This guy, Matthew, in the beginning of the show he looks meek. He looks pathetic. And he is the father of two little girls. And what happened, and any viewer that if they don't want to know what's going on in that show, you sh- you should, you know, pause the podcast and listen, because we're really going to go over the details. Um, This man killed his wife and two little girls. And unborn child. And unborn child. And the oldest little girl, what was she, like six, Matthew? I think um, she was like five or six. I, be- I believe six years old. Yeah, she was young and, and adorable. And this was a documentary, Barbara. And they showed the little girls playing and they showed the mom being with the kids. And the mom had been with an abusive guy, I believe her relationship, or he was narcissistic in the first marriage that she had. And so she found this, she thought was such a savior, such a wonderful man. Um, And so they, the beginning of the documentary, they have a scene where they, they're going into the house because family can't find her. And he walks in and he's just confused. Like he doesn't know anything and he's just confused. And immediately as I'm watching him, I'm, my gut is like, oh, that son of a bitch did it. He, <laughs> he, he freaking did it. You I know, I, it, I, 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 oh, my God, that guy did it. This guy is a covert narcissist. Oh, my God. This is a classic covert narcissist, covert psychopath, because he killed. He got to the point of killing. But the way he was presenting himself was just so lost, no raw emotion, no grief, always put his hands. Matthew, did you notice he always had his hands up on top Mm -hmm. of his head like this? And he was just always confused. And um, but no like connection to the wife or the girls whenever he was questioned or talked to. And. He was so incredibly manipulative in the way he would talk publicly and about how he was heartbroken. And again, he just didn't know what was going on. And um, but then the police started to figure some things out. 
And I, I loved the female cop. There were two cops that did the interviews with this guy. And the female cop, I can't remember her name. Matthew, do you remember who, what they called her? I don't know. They only said it, I think, once. I can't remember. But she was so good. Oh, my freaking God. She was so good. She looked at him at one point and said, why is it whenever I bring up your daughters, you have no connection to them and there is no grief? And again, hands on the head. Oh, don't judge me. I'm just so confused. Like she said, you know, but I'm talking about your daughters. The confusion I don't quite get. And they they started to piece some things together. And Matthew, I cannot remember it. what – I know he failed his polygraph. Well, that was part of it. So when he first – so when it got to the point of the polygraph, that's when the female cop – and that's where I was impressed because – She was good. There wasn't this, there wasn't this kind of um, – there no like – even overt or covert bullying tactics on no, their part. Not, she was very one calm and as a matter of very fact, calm. And she said, you should not be here if you have any involvement in this. And she was basically giving him like this kind of, well, not an out, but, but telling a ticket. him, yeah. I know you're guilty yeah, because right. you're here and there's inconsistencies. And at one point when, when it came back, she said, well, you were being deceptive and I know you weren't telling the truth. So yes. now it's a matter of you telling us what really happened. Wow. And then you see him change his story. and Deflecting they, to his wife. Yes, deflecting to his wife. And then you find out he had an affair and he was uh. cheating on her with this woman. And they're starting to realize he wanted to get rid of the old family so he could go on with this woman. And... They they realized the affair and they started to talk to him about that and they started to break him down and he failed the polygraph. And then they bring his father in. And this is when, oh, my God, he turns to his father. His father's like, what's going on? Like, what happened? Did you do something? Which I thought was quite amazing. That's that telling. Dad, yeah, that's very telling. And he said, the little prick, he said, she killed the kids. I think her name's Shannon. Shannon's the wife. Shannon. Shannon is the mom and the wife. Shannon killed the girls, and so then I had to kill her. Oh wow! Oh, he didn't say she committed suicide. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what I thought that word that was going there. Oh, so he he did he did claim some guilt. Yes, and but the father said, "Is this? Did you catch it?" He said, "Is this really the story?" Mm-hmm. You know, right? He's like, "Is this really what happened? Like, what is real? What really happened?" And um, again, she pushed me to it. Okay, here is the famous part at the core of narcissism: no responsibility, no accountability. Right? Someone none. made me do it. Someone made me do it, and I am the victim. I am the victim. She drove me crazy. I. He lost all this weight and he was working out constantly. And she kept the, Shanann kept wanting her husband and wanting it to work and wanting to connect with him physically, sexually. And he kept rejecting her and she kept asking him, is there something going on? Are you cheating on me? Are you having an affair? And he deny, 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 deny. Now, how masterful of a manipulator. And he did it through being pathetic 
and and weak and and so innocent and yet he murdered all three of them and he was so good at it and i i was telling barbara this before we went on air that there were literally people who were following him and saying to him how they felt so sorry for him and that she led him to do all of it that this was all shanann's fault and the poor family had to get on on the news and say, please just go on with your lives and leave us alone. We can't take the threats that you're doing, the accusations that you're making. We're trying to grieve the loss of our grandchildren and our daughter. And he played that and he played it well until they figured him out and until they finally he broke and said, now, and what was the turning point, Matthew? Do you remember where he finally owned? It was at the end of the documentary where he said, yeah, I killed all three of them. And wow. he, oh, wait for this, Barbara. And he said, I yeah, can't... they said, how did you get her out of the house? And he said, well, I laid her body on the floor at the back of the car. And then I put the kids in the car on her. And the, the kids kept saying to their dad, is something wrong with mommy? And oh he my says, gosh. So, oh, so, uh-huh, wow. uh-huh. And he says, no, she's just sleeping. No, again, no emotional connection whatsoever. No, no, like, oh, oh my God, my poor kid. Like, there's no break in his reality in which he connects to anything emotionally, nothing. Well, and if you remember, too, at the... This was towards the middle or middle to late on or early end of the documentary. They were talking about how when she got home and they show her getting home at like two o'clock in the morning around mm-hmm. that time in the, uh, in the morning. And at the end, they, ex- they explained that he knew, and that was yeah. the turning point that he knew that yeah. she knew that he, that he was having about having the infidelity yep. and that he actually um, he disclosed and they were saying in the documentary that like he wanted to get caught so then yeah. what he ended up doing and this is also another string um on the thread of narcissism and the destructive narcissism is that he ended up having sex with her yeah. that night that night before yeah, he ended before up he murdering her. her i forgot about that part matthew that is chilling yeah. to the bone oh my gosh yeah, yeah i mean that oh. it, the, again the level of disconnect the yeah, level that's, of that's, that's disconnect wow is so profound and then the ability to in the meek way highly manipulative way to present himself as a victim. So here are these concrete behaviors that say what this. What was he like in his life, though? So I'm I'm hearing about the the movie, and you know, which obviously starts after little after he's killed his family. Yes. But do they flashback to any part of their life together? How did he mm-hmm. present? Yeah, he presented. So in the beginning, he presented like Mary Grace was saying. So this is a gentleman who. You know, he was uh, quasi overweight, you know, Mm -hmm. not like, you know, morbidly obese or anything like that. But so he was overweight, but then she was actually going through a bad breakup. And then also she had lupus, I believe. Um, And so she was going through that where she felt like she was just depleted. She was demoralized. And she said that she had found, finally found somebody who, you know, kind of was her quote unquote savior, I believe. 
And so in the pictures and in the, you know, they showed the wedding and they showed where she actually, you know, she didn't come from money or wealth. And so by 25, she actually worked hard enough to build her Mm -hmm. own home. Mm -hmm. And so she built her own home in Colorado and he actually got a job um, making a good living and being Mm -hmm. able to provide for the family in Colorado as well. So, you know, prototypically, you're thinking, well, he's a, you know, and a lot of times this is stereotypical. And I think it also Mm -hmm. does kind of diffuse the tension on someone who's a narcissist when people say, oh, well, he's such a good provider. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, that, that to me is chilling to my bone when I hear that. Oh yeah. It's like, um, excuse me, being a provider is like one of a million other things that somebody should to have, um, you know, and we're not even talking about like their, you know, personality type and everything like that. So, you know, she mm-hmm. had referred to him and, you know, kind of described him as a good provider. And, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where, and same thing like you, Mary Grace, when I first yeah. saw him, I'm like, you little shit. Oh, I'm like, I just, I just was oh. like, are you kidding me? But yeah, he went into this, you know, cl- I was, I say classic as in it's happened thousands and thousands of times where, you know, more predominantly with men than women, where, you know, he wanted to get rid of his life and go into a new life. And that involved him murdering his family. Yep. Just, just throw them away. Like they're, they're objects. Here's the thing. What's wrong with just a divorce? You know, I can't do this anymore. And you just walk away. Cause that's another Mm -hmm. way of kind of going to start. Well, it's not really starting your life over. It's continuing your life, isn't it? There's yes. no clean slate there because there's and an he has to be a victim. He has to get the attention. Yeah. He's the victim, and he he needs to be praised, and everyone needs to feel sorry for him. And that's the goal. I mean that. I knew of a woman. Oh my God! I called her the church lady. This isn't. This wasn't a client. I knew of this woman back many years ago, probably thirty years ago now, and she volunteered at a church. And she was very quiet and meek and mild. And as I was getting to know her, she had lost her husband and she was very, she was grief stricken. And and so, you know, I, I started chit chat with her. I was volunteering and uh, I said, oh my, I, I, she was so sweet while I was focused on her. And then she said she had five kids. I said, oh, those poor kids. She's like, yeah, I'm mad at all of them. I said, you're mad at, I just said, oh my God, they just lost their dad. Like you're mad at all of them. Well, they need to see me more and they need to do this. And I said, oh my gosh, well, is there a reason? Like, are they, well, my one is going to have twins, but that's no excuse for her not to be at my house. And so now I'm starting to get this pit in my stomach, like, oh shit, this woman is probably borderline or some form of narcissism. And so I did a couple like, yeah, but oh my gosh, she's carrying twins. Like, wow. Yeah, as a mom of twins, I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, I still have PTSD from that time. I mean, and the poor girl is carrying twins, lost her dad before the babies were born. I'm thinking of the whole story of this poor girl. And the kids, no matter what I said, there was no ability to see their grief. There was no ability to see their lives. It was all about serving her. And she was the one that that was important and of value. And all of their needs and wants and no's and limits were turned into a burden and a problem by her. 
And I, wow. I, I actually said this to this woman. I said, you do know you're wrong. You, you do know that you sound very selfish right now. And I'm telling you, as a, as a person who's a therapist, um, if you know that your behavior in which you're putting them down, you're doing nasty phone calls, you are hurting them. You are wrong. And she said, yeah. And I said, so I guess you're a pretty malicious person then. Mary Grace. Mm -hmm. And I walked away. I thought, I don't give a shit if you're a church lady. Who's going to speak out for those poor kids? Those poor kids. I just said, you're a pretty malicious person. Yeah. I said, wow, you are a pretty malicious person. And and, and you're at the church. It's time to get a pew. Pray (laughs) on your maliciousness. Here's the thing. You know, listening to all this, I'm thinking to myself, there's a big difference in this covert narcissist to the to the overt. Oh, yeah. One of them is, of course, the outward uh, narcissist is one you can spot a mile away. And I think they're mm-hmm. less dangerous, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right? they're obvious. They like social situations. Those guys, yes, they're charmers and everything else. I mean, I've seen physicians have been to parties where they're surgeons. Mm. I'm sorry, surgeons. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of you who are sick in the head and you can, you can spot a narcissist right there. It's the way they walk, the way they look down on everyone. It's the way they poo poo everybody in a conversation. They will quite happily dismiss Mm -hmm. everybody's uh, uh, opinion except theirs. And they, you know, because of their, their very large brain, you know, they have very large brains. Mm -hmm. They will literally just, Mm -hmm. they're misogynistic most times. So, um, if a woman opens her mouth, they'll literally roll their eyes or turn. That's the time they choose to go and get hors d'oeuvres or something, mm-hmm. right? This covert dude, these are, I think these are more you dangerous can't, because they of are. that demeanor. They're, because they of are. that demeanor, that, that demeanor that seems safe yes. and non-confrontational. So you can imagine a, a, a woman who might have been <sighs> with somebody who's a covert narcissist, right? Coming out of mm-hmm. a bad relationship, like you say, and you come across this guy who seems so non-confrontational, so safe, mm-hmm. so non-threatening, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, what is it they say? Still waters run deep? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So they, they manipulate with their meekness. They play the victim card. They're highly intelligent when they do this. Like, you really, really have to watch their behaviors, not their words. Mm-hmm. You have to watch... And the whole time, Matthew, the whole time I was watching that that show, I kept thinking he murdered those babies, the unborn child in her stomach. He murdered his wife. He murdered the little girls. He sat the little girls on top of mommy's body and took those and drove those girls to their death because they were not dead. He took them out to that field then killed those babies and dumped them in a grave out in the field. So if you remember, if you remember in the movie, he had said he's like, it's about a forty-five minute drive, <gasps> and so that's, that's where right. you're yeah, talking about somebody who is completely has, you know, they've they're associ- beyond a sociopath. They're a psychopath. Psychopath. And he's a psychopath. Somebody who can drive forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. And intellectually know yes. that, and he actually even said that 
I know that I'm going to do, I knew I was going to do what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. was premeditated on his part. Right. That's and the, he was, the premeditation is. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, no, uh, this is why I often will say no ability to bond. No. But here's the thing, you know, I, I was reading up on some of the characteristics and what causes this. And yeah, I know that as adults, we need to take responsibility for our own behaviors. But damn, man, some of these people have had some horrible parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, things mm-hmm. like trauma from childhood, parents who, who, who emphasized overachievement, Mm-hmm. parents who did not allow the child to express their emotions openly. Sometimes they were punished for expressing emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds to me like a disorder that comes from learned behaviors or from nurture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not so much genetics. Am mm-hmm. I, am I, yeah. am I reading this correctly? Uh, I think, it, I think some cases can be both, um, mm-hmm. you know, some killers. It's so interesting. Matthew, what killer was it? Was it, um, uh, but then, Mary Grace, are all killers covert narcissists? Is what we're trying because I'm well, trying to define the psychopaths. Narcissist. Remember, the difference between the sociopath and the psychopath is the socialization. The sociopath has to be the center of attention. They right. like being out in the world. So the that's s- your probably that's your, yeah. your overt yes. narcissist, right? Yes. yes, but the psychopath is more introverted. They're more private. They like control and domination, in, but in a more private sense, in, in, this is why they kill, where the, the dictator is more of a sociopath right, because they you. have to be grandiose. Everyone, they've got the God complex. Everyone needs to honor me. And, um, oh, Matthew, what killer was it? It wasn't Son of Sam. It wasn't B, why, BT, B2K, what was? BTK. But it was the other one um, that was killing all the men. Um, Dahmer. 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 Yeah. Um, they did an interview that I saw uh, with his parents, with his father. And Dahmer, was it Dahmer's brother that kept trying to make up for everything that had happened? Was that Jeffrey Dahmer's brother? I can't remember. Sure. Damn I, it, I, I should have done my homework. Yeah, it was one of, you know, I had a case years ago um, when I lived in another state, and uh, they didn't know if the guy was schizophrenic or psychopath. And um, you could, because some kill due to, you know, schizophrenia and delusions right. and they hear voices and they they have a real mental illness. And then but that, that can be treated, right? That, yes. They need Which their medication. Which brings me to my next right. question. What right. do you do with these people? Can they be rehabilitated? Can, how? Uh, my personal opinion is no, no, you have to, with psychopaths, with killers, they have to be contained. And they have to be constantly checked, constantly. They, they, um, it's. But do all covert narcissists become killers is my question. No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. You've got the narcissist, you've got the narcissist, that's one level of narcissism. So you've got a narcissist who's self, a person who's self-centered and he has all the tendencies, but then you intensify the tendencies and you get the borderline. 
And I think at each level, which I don't think my field talks about enough, each level has a covert form or an overt form um, until you get to psychopath, which I think that is more that is more covert. Um, If you notice, like with uh, a lot of serial killers, they'll leave notes, they'll they'll do mind games, they get into like a chess match with the police to try to get them to outwit them, to outsmart them. It's very important that they feel their um, entitlement and the respect by everyone knowing how smart they are. Because their their IQ, then that which then becomes their undoing because they're mm-hmm. leaving little clues just so you know, uh, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so freaking weird. I know. And this guy on on American Murder, uh, he was so good at covert narcissism. Covert. He was so manipulative and so intellectually bright in everything he did that he literally got a following. So here's the thing. I'm thinking more of mm, our young people out there, you know, your Mm -hmm. 20s who are, you know, starting to, you know, who are getting into more serious relationships Mm -hmm. as they are in college maybe and maybe final year college, getting ready to go into the job market. You meet someone amazing, special, Mm -hmm. brilliant, uh, not an attention seeker, likes to be quiet and at home because apparently they don't like the social scene. Uh, What... How does a young woman or a young man protect themselves from such a person? What are the things they can look out uh, for? The first thing I want them to do is get the book called Gaslighting. Or that's okay. Get the book called Gaslighting. Because I think I have several young people uh, yes. following us lately. Guys, yeah. get the book, okay? Get the book called Gaslighting. You watch a person's behaviors more than their words. Um, when you're, when they can get you to just listen to their words and con you and distract you from their behaviors that they blatantly do wrong, cheating, lying, and they, they will outwit you to, to get you to rationalize that it was no big deal and then make you feel guilty that you even brought it up or thought about it. If you're in that kind of dance, get the hell out. Get the hell out that you're being manipulated. And as long as you are submissive and insecure, they will dominate you. And the longer you're in a relationship with somebody like that, and the longer you're under that kind of mental dominance, whether there's physical in there or not, your sense of self will diminish to below nothing. Yeah, the you longer start to you're there. Yourself, right? Yeah. You really start to question oh, your own yeah. Yeah. And they will pick people who are insecure. They will pick people that they will do crap to and then come around and act as if they were just so sweet as candy. And they were such good people. And they cannot believe, like, look at all guys have a problem with this. You got to know, at least I'm talking to you about it. At least I'm owning it, right? I'm owning it, right? Well, you cheated three times. Well, you know what? But I'm owning it and I'm working on it. And Oh, wow. Behave, repeated patterns, repeated behaviors. They're not, you can't get them to change, number one. You cannot make somebody get better. They have to own their problems. They have to not only say it, 
but do something about it. And there's a form of abuse that's called intellectual abuse, where they mm-hmm. outwit and manipulate. Now, the covert narcissists are really good at this, where they intellectually dominate you and outwit you to the point where you're frustrated and flustered and you can't talk anymore. And you begin to question yourself. They'll suddenly you'll you'll call them on something that they've done that's really crappy. And they'll they'll come at you with everything that you've done wrong and get you to shut up and walk away and feel bad about yourself. That kind of person has a mental problem. You yeah. can't fix it. Get out of that relationship. Educate, well, and also educate too, if you, yourself. If you're recognizing that if you if the person is doing something wrong, remind yourself and go back to when you your healthier child like Think of, if you didn't even have a healthy childhood, think of a healthy childhood kind of parental unit. Mm -hmm. And if you're starting to excuse the bad behavior Mm -hmm. or you ordinarily otherwise wouldn't feel crazy or paranoid, but then you're starting to, and if they're the ones who are doing something wrong, but you're the one apologizing, run away. Mm -hmm. Right. Run away. Mm -hmm. If they're the ones who are like, like Mary Grace, you were saying, it's like, if they're, you know, continuously with infidelity, but you're the one apologizing, run mm-hmm. away. Yep. Yep. That's right. So here's a question I have for you too, because you guys are are, are, are in this space um, in, in, in sort of a real and clinical way. Is there a way in which you said, you said certain, certain personality types or maybe people with self, low self-esteem issues are the people who are generally um, preyed upon by this mm-hmm. type of person? Is there a way in which how we raise our children, and I mean both girls and boys, Mm -hmm. that set them up for this kind of person? When you... I'm not parent blaming, by the way. Please don't say I'm really asking this because I think we all need help with this. Yes. When you teach your girls especially, and your boys too, to be nice, Mm. to keep quiet... We get back to, to the same thing. To now. constantly make the other person feel better, to constantly understand the other person. And, and let me tell you, I'm going to share a story of my own with my daughter. And I caught myself, she was six years old. And my kids, um, children of needs with special needs, were very drawn to my kids, which is great. There's, they've got a gift. They're very sweet. They're very sensitive. They're not judgmental. They're compassionate. Um, but what was happening is there was a boy who had a lot of problems, and he was very behavioral, and he would lose control. He would have outbreaks. And I'm taking this six-year-old little tiny girl, and I'm trying to teach her how to deal with him. And the teacher who I had actually trained with uh, at the Child and Adolescent Psych Hospital in Ann Arbor, she came to me one day and she said, I got to call you on something. I said, what is it? She goes, you're teaching your daughter to be so nice and you're teaching your daughter to try to understand a situation. She is six years old. Mm. This boy has a lot of problems. She cannot handle him. The only thing I want you telling that child is to come get me that she doesn't have to handle it. And I know why I was doing it. You know, it was my own upbringing. I was always told to, you know, take care of everybody and to understand, put pressures on me when I was, you know, too young to handle them. And so 
I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, I've made a terrible mistake. Yes, I will fix that with her. And she said, and and teach her how to put her hand up and say no and mm. stop. And I don't like it. She said, she's such a good kid and a compassionate kid, but she needs better boundaries. If you want to work on something with your daughter, it's strength and boundaries and intolerance. Right. Well, you bet your sweet ass I did that. <laughs> I like said, you do not handle him. You tell him no. You go right over to your teacher and you say, Mrs. So-and-so, can you, I, I don't like what he's doing. I don't like him hugging me all the time. This was one of the things that I found out later. He kept, he kept bear hugging her like this. And she was trying to talk him out of letting go. Well, she needed to scream and say, stop, mm-hmm. no. And it's important. It's important that we teach our kids to set limits with bad behavior. Teach them what the bad behavior is. Somebody doesn't push you around. Teach them about being manipulated, conned. Talk to your kids about what's going on at lunch. Talk to your kids about who they're playing with on the playground. Get to know what the interactions are about. Go pick them up early if you can and watch some things. Really learn their world to see, are your kids pushovers? Are they getting dominated? Are they getting bullied? Do they know how to fight? My daughter's butt was in a self-defense class, very young. And and I said, and I own the mistake. I said, look at I I I was doing this with her, but she, I don't want her taking crap. She yeah, has to be I strong. Did the same with my, they all did martial arts from about age three. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Because I think self defense is a right. It's a human right, basic yes. human right. And I think I think we do our children a disservice when we don't get them right. trained. Right, right. In other words, you have a right to defend yourself, your bodily integrity, and your 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 personal yes. space. Yes, and. Uh, and Mama, to- who I'm not a pacifist by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. and I mean, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. my kids went to school where there was this culture of kindness. Well, it seemed yeah. kindness uh, just meant if somebody shoves you, you 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 say, "Please don't do that." Or somebody slaps you, you say, "You go tell the teacher." I said to my kids, "No, somebody slaps you, slap them right back." Yeah. And I know who you are. You can come home. If anything happens, I will go in and I will always be on your side. Because it did get to the point, especially with my my empath, Chi Chi, Mm. where she she literally couldn't even put her hands up to defend herself. She would like stand there while somebody was shoving and pummeling her. Oh, no. But she was because she was told in our culture of kindness, you don't push back. You don't fight back. Mm. You've got to teach the kids the line. You've got to teach the kids how to differentiate, how to know when you negotiate, when you need to be compassionate, and how to know when you need to set a limit. And it's within the bad behavior. Somebody doesn't take things from you. Somebody doesn't hit you. Somebody doesn't punch you. Somebody doesn't tell you what to do. You got to teach your kids then how to be strong and gain their voice. Even though they're scared, you got to let them know, like, we're all scared when we use our voice. We all get nervous. We all have anxiety, but we have to master it and use our voice and set limits so that nobody pushes you around or takes advantage of you and that you have power inside 
mm-hmm. and educate, educate for the older ones that are listening, for the people who are dating, for the, the teenagers and the 20-year-olds. Get the book on gaslighting. Get a book on narcissism. There's a book called The Wizard of Oz and Other Narcissists. And in that book, they cover covert and overt narcissism. And really learn about it because the more you have an understanding, you'll be able to see it when it's in front of you. And that's another thing, parents. Get the book. Be able to articulate what is standing in front of them, what the conflict is, and then you can help them with it. But for some parents, they're like, I don't even understand what's going on. And if you're really overwhelmed parents and you're like, oh, my God, I can't read a book, please set up a therapy appointment. We're good at it. Yeah. Let, let us help you and guide you and do some parent guidance. And you know what? It used to take a village. And sometimes when you get your kids in therapy, they're going to listen to the other person more than they're going to listen to you, especially if they're I older. Too, I think setting the limits and everything that you guys are saying, I think, is just absolutely fabulous. And it's also demonstrating a different way of interpreting our culture. And like you said, Barbara, it's like the culture of kindness it's kind to be confrontational sometimes and confrontational has a negative connotation. And I think that's where I also work with my clients. And I remember working with a couple one time and I said, you know, I'm going to teach you how to fight fair. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to fucking fight. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and I was like, but that's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm trying. I'm going to work mm-hmm. with you on is that we do fight. We're fighting every day mm-hmm. in, 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 with ourselves it. and with the world around us. And I think, Part of it is we have to also teach a level of humility and humbleness because people don't want to, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, 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 a lot of it is where people don't want to be teachable, right? Mm. So that open-mindedness, you know, Mm -hmm. being a teachable man, a teachable woman, and it's like a teachable girl, a teachable boy, teaching people that it's okay to be Mm -hmm. taught and learn something about how to have a boundary Mm -hmm. and set a boundary. And I yeah. I remember, and it was just, you know, we have the, you know, the, our, our professional identities and, you know, and I remember working um, previously at, when I was subcontracted and I worked in uh, working with um, uh, individuals who were incarcerated. And, you know, one of the, one of the individuals was, you know, I was confronting his mm-hmm. past and his childhood and, you know, he didn't like that. And he was like, you know, and he blatantly just, and mm-hmm. it was more of a knee jerk reaction was like, well, fuck you, Mr. Burita. And I paused and I said, no, fuck you. And he said, <laughs> you was said, totally shocked, right? <laughs> he was, he was completely shocked. And, if, and for all the listeners know that is, you know, that's, that's not like obviously the normal, typical, just everyday, you know, dialogue, but it was one of those. And, and of course, let me preface, we had been working together for almost six months. So there mm-hmm. was that, you know, kind of therapeutic alliance. We, yes. I was able to yes. Yes. have that dialogue yes. and that, you know, kind of, feedback and immediately he started smiling he started laughing and he said and you know initially he was like oh my gosh I didn't I didn't know you know I didn't know a therapist could swear and I said well we're humans first so it was a teachable moment that we're humans and the credentials and the acronyms and the you know all those other letters after our name it's like being human And I think that's sometimes where we lose sight of, you know, our ability to be compassionate. And as you mentioned with, you know, your child, Barbara, it's like being an empath, you know, being an empath and feeling something, I mean, and feeling so much of the world's pain and the, you know, the pain around us, you know, it's like 
sometimes it's like, I don't, and I tell people and I, you know, Mary Grace, I've told you too. It's like, I don't wish this, you know, angels go where, you know, angels won't even go where we go sometimes Hmm. as therapists. And it's like, you know, because we do go to places and we hear things and see things and read things and, you know, are exposed to things that, you know, a lot of people really, you know, when you even tell them a glimpse or even a sentence, they're like, oh my goodness. Well, no, I know what you that- mean. Oh my gosh. That's why this week yeah. is so crazy because sometimes even as a life coach mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, you know, that's why I always say permission to be vulnerable, please, mm-hmm. before I spill my stuff mm-hmm. on you. Sometimes there isn't even that you open your email and there the mm-hmm. first line is this, this, this happened to me as a child. And you're like, oh, I did not want to know that. Why? Mm-hmm. But you see what I mean? There, there, there isn't, you know, in, in the spaces where you're dealing so closely with humans, mm-hmm. you, you cannot say, you know, permission to be, you can't tell somebody, first you have mm-hmm. to ask me for permission to be vulnerable so that I can prepare myself mm-hmm. before you tell me something that's totally going to shock me and ruin mm-hmm. my day. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the same time, for example, your story reminds me of the story of the bully. Mm-hmm. And this is what I always told my kid my kids, because this happened to me when I was younger. I am an empath. I don't Mm -hmm. seem like one. I don't Mm -hmm. appear like one because I've had to work very hard at finding that balance between being a pushover and learning to Mm -hmm. put those boundaries and take Mm -hmm. care of myself. There was somebody who bullied me for six years in school and she made my life hell until one day, I don't know what happened. She shoved me. I kicked her butt. I kicked her butt for the six years. She'd made me miserable. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. By the time I was done with her, we became the best friends Mm -hmm. because something clicked in her head about my humanity. Like, Mm -hmm. dude, what you do to me, I want you to feel what that's like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she did. Yeah. In her body. She didn't feel my, my, you know, Mm -hmm. the the, the torturous feelings Mm -hmm. you feel when you're being bullied. But I was able to give back to her the kind of pain in her physical body that she had mm-hmm. done to me. And she, she really respected me after that. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of six years of mm-hmm. bullying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I always think that, you know, sometimes like what you did, Matthew, that F you bomb to this person. Mm-hmm. I think that it's like a circuit breaker mm-hmm. where people sometimes get so accustomed to mm-hmm. someone being a certain way. Yeah. They literally stop giving themselves permission to abuse that person yes. until that person says, hey, and it takes them out of that, 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 that wheel mm-hmm. where it's just a cycle of abuse. Mm-hmm. The yes. circuit breakers, I think, are amazing. And yeah, yeah. my circuit breaker was a good, <laughs> good, good weapon. <laughs> to those people who are listening that come from the abusive homes, that are so scared to have a voice and so afraid to speak up and defend themselves because internally they have never learned to trust themselves. They don't trust when they see somebody who's not treating Mm -hmm. them well. They will rationalize the bad behavior that's in front of them to the point of, um, you know, putting up with it and putting up with it and putting up with it. And it's it for those people, number one, counseling, of course, because the counselor is going to walk with you on that journey of understanding how this all came to be, how to see yourself innocently, because it started with you being mistreated. 
It started with someone teaching you you have no value, you are there to serve emotionally, physically, whatever it is. And then the other thing is to to definitely try to find a support group or supports that see you. I always say, you know, man, if you really don't know what to do, go to an Al-Anon meeting or a a meeting on ACOA. There's so much codependency. In a group of codependents, everyone's taken care of. Right. Because everybody, they're there because they got everybody taking care of everybody else. (laughs) Do, Do something, but connect. Get outside of your world that you're living in and take a chance and, and get to know more people. And, um, and read, read. There's plenty of books. If somebody has a question about what book to read, message me. Get on my Facebook page, Psych by MG. Give me a message. I'll be glad to help you. Um, go to our website. Send us a message. Uh, and, and we will be glad to guide you. Um, and then to just <laughs> circle around to, back to this, this darn documentary to really see the covert the ones that use quietness and meekness and are masterful victims that when you start to talk about yourself or problem you have they turn it into theirs oh well let me tell you what i went through oh let me tell you what i did or they don't listen so the covert barbara you said it earlier they're the hardest ones to see the overt or obvious but covert is not. And if you watch this, I've got to, got to get, give this documentary a plug. Like, just watch this guy. Watch how meek and quiet and how, how brilliant he was with the manipulation of confusion. I'm so confused. Well, and even at the end when you saw him in the courtroom and they panned to his leg shaking at the bottom. And then when the judge asked if he had any any response to say to the family no and then he gets up and he just walks out and it's like he's processed which again is like another interpretation another example of the covertness it's oh like, god that is the, that is the person and when you think about it too and barbara you were asking too part of the rehabilitation so just to kind of give everyone a little bit of picture too is that you know five percent of the population who are incarcerated will never get out of prison so that and and so 95% of the people so just so when people think of like and yes the 95% do include people who maybe have committed you know crimes egregious acts and so we're not we're not absolving the 95% and I'm not saying that there aren't narcissism or narcissists in the 95% but the covert destructive psycho like psychopathy is going to be in that 5% who will not, regardless of the rehabilitation and inside of prison, they will not be leaving the prison at all. These are the people who are serving two, three, four, seven, ten life consecutive life sentences for the things that they're doing. So that's kind of a bit of a, you know, a, a different, a little bit of a differentiation, but you know, like you were saying, Mary Grace too, is, you know, the, the reading and the communication and even what we're doing here, what we're doing here is, critically thinking yeah so you know barbara you're asking questions and then we're asking questions and we're you know we're responding we're giving people like that's that's part of how you also teach healthy boundaries 
to have someone critically think and think on their toes and being able to, you know, understand too, sometimes, not all, but sometimes if you, if you walk away, that just means that you're not getting dirty in the sandbox with those people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's, I mean, so there, the critical thinking though will allow you to understand your limits. It'll right. help you to understand your boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Now see, this is where I'm like, why aren't we teaching this in schools? I see, know. I, know. I, 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 because this is life, this is, these are life skills. Our yeah. children are going out there with all the book knowledge that you can imagine, but without basic survival life skills. Mm-hmm. Why isn't this stuff being yeah. taught yeah. as part of the curriculum in schools? What to look out for in I this agree. case? What to look out for in that? How to that healthy boundaries for goodness sake yeah what is a boundary these poor young people don't know what a boundary is i had a 22 year old saying what do you mean by boundaries what is that Mm -hmm. and the idea that she's allowed to say no to people coming up on her she's allowed to say no to hugs she's allowed to say you know what you're inappropriate you don't talk to me like that and i'm not going to engage you was so new to her she was like you know I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why we do the work we do because it's, it's, it's not covered elsewhere, but I just think where you can get young people in groups in one, I mean, you know, people can choose to watch our podcast. You guys, people can choose to read these books, but if it's set in a curriculum and there are 80 of you in a class and you're getting this in class, something's going to sink in somewhere. Surely. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Matthew, do you have, do you have a session right after this? Yeah, I'm gonna hop. I'm gonna let you go because we're gonna close now. So I'm gonna let you go. Thank you. Thank you, Bye, Matthew. everyone. Bye, Barbara. See you next week. Miss you guys. Matthew's on Bye. every other show. Be kind. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Take care. Right. And we only have a minute left. Um, yes. And so. Uh, you know, please let us know what you're thinking about the show. And uh, if you have any questions, of course, we're, we're here to answer you. And a special thanks to my co-host, Barbara. We have to get together and catch up, honey. Um, Thank you, MG. And thanks to everyone. Again, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podcast Detroit, um, Facebook. And shout out to our producer before you forget. And Matt, a shout out to him. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) He did such a great job. Always, always. Thank you. And we want to wish everyone a really good evening. And we'll talk to you soon.